And we are back. Uh, hopefully my audio is, is not sounding too terrible. I'm going to try to correct that over the time. Tim is, of course, working with the top quality microphone, so he sounds, <laughs> he sounds better. I've got to, uh, I got to improve the audio here on my end a little bit. We'll, we'll get it there. This is going to go on for uh, a little bit longer, hopefully not too much longer. How's What Wade is not telling you is that he left all his good equipment <laughs> at my house, where we, we, we did the show always at my house. And so he used to live, he would leave all the equipment, the mixes, the nice microphones, the stands at my house. And, uh, and so the, that's why he can't get to where yeah. he needs to be because all his stuff is here. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe I should UPS it. <laughs> oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. Okay. Worst case, you know, I'll just, uh, I'll, I'll drive by and, and you leave it on the sidewalk and I'll grab it. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've got some gear here. It's, I can't get it, uh, can't get it sounding quite the way I want it to sound. But anyway, so Tim, how are things in uh, Pasadena? How are they uh, shaping up? Your Pasadena, Pasadena, you know, leveling off. We'll call it that. The, yeah. The, 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 that's it, the, the virus is not the biggest issue in Pasadena. Uh, so um, yeah, the, these sort of protests and things are, are have taken care of themselves. And and now it's just a matter of um, uh, ticking off the the clock to see what's going to happen with the school year. You know, I start yeah. teaching in August. Uh, I guess maybe uh, yeah, if, if, if it seems like it's going to be remote. Um, uh, I teach at a university, of course, not a, not a public school, uh, but we've got all kinds of universities doing all kinds of things. Looks like USC, yeah, uh, is going to be starting off campus, uh, yeah, online classes. UCLA, your alma mater, what are they doing over there? I haven't a clue. I I do know that for my daughter's schooling, that's going to start uh, distance learning, which does not make a lot of people happy. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see how long it goes. I uh, I am hopeful it will not go much past the middle to late September. I think yeah. that's my hope is that that's that you know come October first. Because look, I'm telling you, if they don't get this uh, kind of under control by Halloween, people are not going to stay in on Halloween. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, I, I'm pleased at the, the the talk about various different vaccines. That are very, various That's encouraging. That is very encouraging. encouraging. Yeah. Um. 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 Uh. I, I I I even applied to get myself into a trial for for folks 56 and older. Um. Um. Uh, they rejected me. <laughs> <laughs> they said, "Brother, <laughs> high blood pressure runs in your family. <laughs> Diabetes." Uh, so no, bro. Oh, <laughs> I, gave, dear. I gave it a go, uh, but uh, fortunately there are a lot of young, uh, brave souls out there that are that are in fact uh, willing to give it a go. Uh, but yeah, no, they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me into the trial. That was kind of disappointing. I used to do that all the time when I was in the um, when I was in the military. Uh, it, it was a way of getting days off and uh, weeks off and stuff like that. That would come through. They do these trials, even just giving blood, all that kind of stuff. It just, uh, just it would just give you time. So I did it all the time. It was completely self-serving. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't being a guy there at all. I was t- totally self-serving. But, you know, I, well, I figured, hey, somebody's got to do it, so what the hell, I'll do it. Uh, let's, but well, it looks like it might possibly, they might possibly pull something off by the end of the year. Uh, it would be nice. It would, it would be, be very astounding. Nice. It, it would be, be astounding. Great. And it, it would be, be another moment of science winning. Well, Oxford looks like just this morning they they uh, the preliminary results from the uh, the vaccine trial at at Oxford is phenomenal. Yeah, 
They're elated. No negative uh, side effects, no negative repercussions, and uh, it just kicks the immune system into overdrive. So yeah, yeah, the, the, the immune response, T cells yeah. building up. Uh, this is what vaccines are supposed to do. Yep. So you know, um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. But uh, that's what I'm that's what I'm leaning into. I'm leaning into that. Uh, the, the political side of it, whatever. I'm done with all the politics of it. Um, uh, now I'm just watching the science, and, and let's see what we get going on. Yeah. Uh, uh, there, well, there, there, when are we going to get some pandemic movies, man? I know who's got something going. I think Michael Bay has got something going. You, you know, I, I, I'll tell you though, I don't think anybody wants to see that. Huh? This I week, know I don't. I'll tell you this week on on Film Week, I uh, I watched a Film Week movie. I did not even know what to expect. Just so everyone knows, when you do Film Week. You got a big old list of movies, and a big, and now it's just like a list of movies and a list of links, and you just check those suckers off. I'm not reading synopses. I don't know if it's a doc. I don't know what it is. For all I know, it could it could be pornography. I don't know. I don't care. Just give me my list. And uh, saw this thing, Fisherman's Friends. Like whatever, Fisherman's Friends. Go. Honestly, it was a delight. This is a Sam Goldwyn film that is right in that British working-class hero pocket that you get with the full Monty and Brassed Off and Calendar Girls and Billy Elliot. It's one of those. Mm -hmm. It's the true story, or based on the true story, of a bunch of um, uh, Cornish fishermen who a few years ago were pulled out of obscurity by a record exec and they released an album of all of these old maritime shanties. And ten guys who just sing this like, what off to see you. And, and they released an album. And it was one of the big, one of the, one of the great, it was like the top selling folk album of all time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Bunch of Cornish fishermen. It's fantastic. <laughs> anyway, it's a really, it's a fun movie. It's a fun movie. I was, what I was like, movie? it's not a doc. It's a movie. No, it's a movie. It's a romantic comedy and it's great. And you got all these just wonderful, gritty, working class guys. And, and you, you, we've seen them all. You know, and yeah. you, you know, all of these actors, they're all British and Irish actors. And they just have those, you know, they're, they, they just, they're fishermen, man. It's great. <laughs> it's just so much fun. So Fisherman's yeah. Friends, we'll cover that on the podcast, I'm sure, in about six months. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, we're going to start off. I'm going to roll through some PBS stuff. Got a ton of great PBS docs. This is really good pandemic viewing. I, I got to tell you, it, it's this is here's what I do with this stuff. It, it, if it's a narrative film, you feel like you have to make a commitment. If it's a PBS doc like Remarkable Rabbits from Nature, <laughs> I don't need to watch this full pay full attention all the way through. It's got rabbits. It's all about it's about how many you know how many different types of rabbits there are in the world? Dozens and dozens, like over a hundred different kinds of rabbits. It's I had crazy. No idea. I had no idea. Anyway, you, you can pay kind of half attention to this if you're cooking, if you're doing something else. It's a whole lot of fun. And rabbits, I you know, love hate relationship, I'll be honest, but uh <laughs> it, really it, it kind of depends. Uh like a friend of mine, she had a rabbit once big fat rabbit that just sat in its cage and just lay around all day long and just ate food you do not dare pet that thing it was about a 30 pound rabbit and if you tried to pet it it would bite you uh, now you think yeah. oh rabbits can't bite oh yeah oh, oh yeah they oh, oh yeah they can those teeth those teeth that gnaw through carrots yeah yeah that hurts yeah that hurts when you start thinking about rabbit stew yeah exactly so anyway uh, this is from the, uh, the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. They did this in, in, in uh, conjunction with 13. 
uh, WNAT 13. And uh, Installment of Nature, Remarkable Rabbits, whole, more fun than I ever could possibly have imagined a, a, a documentary about rabbits. From Nova, The Truth About Fat. So this is kind of, we, we know a little bit about this. You know, fat was uh, maligned for a long time, and then we discover, oh, yeah, sugar is the enemy, not fat. So, uh, but that said, fat is really, really interesting, how the body metabolizes it. Um, it, it there's a lot of really unusual stuff in this, and uh, they, it, they go far and wide in terms of, you know, uh, lifestyle choices and different kinds of people. Biggest Loser contestant is in here as well. And, uh, and, how, and how fat is metabolized. Actually, very, very interesting, especially if uh, you're one of those people that Nutrisystem says has gained 16 pounds during the pandemic. <laughs> they said the average American has gained 16 pounds. Yeah, yeah. I have, I have deliberately made sure that has not happened to me. Uh, another installment of Nova, Cuba's Cancer Hope, and then an installment of Nature, Cuba's Wild Revolution. These go hand in hand. One is Nova, one is uh, Nature. And uh, actually quite interesting. Uh, the, the nature installment, Cuba's Wild Revolution, is uh, all about the remarkable wildlife that you have on Cuba that is actually kind of unique. It doesn't exist anywhere else in the world. It, it's, it's not like the Galapagos Islands or anything, but uh, it's quite interesting. And it talks specifically about how the unintended consequences of the embargo is that mm -hmm. there has been no sort of economic contamination of the island by tourists and, and imports and exports that would necessarily... So as a result, even though the people are impoverished, nature has been thriving. Mm. So that's interesting. And then Cuba's Cancer Hope uh, is uh, basically addresses the uh, therapies that they're doing in Cuba to address the, the cancer problem in Cuba. It's a huge problem in Cuba. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, because they still smoke uh, relentlessly. Relentlessly, it's a big it, it's a big industry there. It's a, tobacco's like yeah. a giant part of the the uh, the economy. So um, anyway. There are, despite the fact that it is an impoverished nation and that they have absolutely horrible health care, they do have some advanced therapies, and uh, it's, uh, there's some interesting, interesting stuff that they've been doing very specific to Cuba. Um, then we've got on the, uh, I'll hold that off just for a second, uh, Expedition with Steve Backshall, Season 1. So this is just travel stuff. Steve Backshall is uh, a, a wonderful, wonderful host who takes you to all kinds of fascinating places. Uh, Oman, you go to Oman, you go to Greenland, you go to uh, visit Mayan ruins in Mexico, uh, you go to Bhutan, whitewater rafting in Bhutan. It's really fascinating. Um, and uh, Borneo, I mean, it's really, uh, really, really very interesting. So uh, I love travel shows. I think there's a lot of great stuff here. Fantastic photography. Expedition with Steve Backshall, season one. Uh, let's see. Also got, uh, The Queen at War is great. This is from ITV in the UK and BBC Studios. They did a documentary on uh, Queen Elizabeth during World War II, which is great. I'm sure not a lot of people, uh, you know, born subsequent to, uh, probably even the 1970s are that familiar with what Queen Elizabeth did. My mother would talk about it all the time, which is that when King George VI said, we're going to war, Queen Elizabeth said, I'm going to work. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, she she went to work and, and, you know, working on airplanes and everything else. And it's pretty great. I mean, she was, you know, this is why she's such a beloved queen is that she 
really put in her time during the during the war. So this is all about that great archival footage. It's fantastic. The true story of Queen Elizabeth's experiences in World War II. Uh, a fantastic hour-long documentary, The Queen at War. Um, from American Experience is Mr. Tornado, uh, which is the story of uh, Ted uh, Fujita, who is a uh, an, an who's who studied who did the most extensive study of aerial tornado activity in history to try and figure out how basically you could um, you could save lives ultimately by by predicting it, managing it, whatever. Uh, so anyway, this is the uh, the extraordinary story of his. Efforts. It's an American Experience documentary. I, it, it, the things that go on here is a little, it gets a little high-minded. They do their best to really explain what he does and why and how. It cannot be su summarized very easily, but it's really, really interesting. Uh, the Greatest Bond. Tagline is transformed through love. Uh, this is uh, a, a, about, oh boy, how do, how do you put this? So it, this is about the, the bond between wound, I guess here's the easiest way to just summarize it. This is about the bond between wounded warriors, soldiers, war veterans, and service dogs. Mm. And uh, how, the, how the dogs actually play a role in combating PTSD and other conditions that are associated with, uh, with war and certainly, obviously, those who have physical injuries. Um, it's really quite beautiful, and uh, I wish it were a little bit longer. This is also about an hour long, and uh, The Greatest Bond is, is what it's called. And um, if you don't love dogs, you will at the end of this. Uh, George W. Bush, installment of American Experience. Uh, I don't think this is the final story on this. It is four hours in length, and it still feels like we're a little bit too close to it. It kind of covers, obviously, the... Uh, contested election of 2000 all the way through September 11th and uh, Hurricane Katrina and the, the financial crisis of 2008. And when you think about it, you're like, that was a pretty eventful presidency. From day one to, to, to day last, that just went crazy. So uh, this is about those eight years, and I think there's a lot more yet to be written about it. But in four hours, they pack a lot. I mean, obviously, we live in the media age, and there's a ton of stuff that you, you can obviously pump into that. Yeah. Uh, similar to that is Titans of the 20th Century, which is uh, six whopping massive hours of historical and archival material that looks into the four figures who literally defined the 20th century by the way they handled World War II, which is mm. FDR, Winston Churchill, uh, Joseph Stalin, and Adolf Hitler. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it wound up being three against one and the three prevailed. But the one obviously uh, also left quite a footprint. So uh, this is six excruciating hours in some ways, but also in, in really invigorating hours in other ones. Uh, beautiful work from Wild Bear Entertainment making this. It is called Titans of the 20th Century. And uh, it is really, really uh, an enormous amount of work, I think. It probably could have been a couple hours shorter and still told the same story, but nonetheless, still very, very impressive. Earth Sacred Wonders from the BBC. Mm. 
this is beautiful. This is three. I love di- that series. It's great. This is three episodes: House of the Divine, Closer to the Divine, Visions of the Divine. Uh, this is a series basically about uh, uh, holy places around the world, and uh, you know the the great legacy, the architectural and uh, archaeological legacy that has been left by the world's great faiths. And um, this show has gone to like every continent and and every corner of the globe, and it's absolutely beautifully shot. I wish this were on Blu-ray. It is not, but it is on DVD, and it's still gorgeous, and it deserves your support. Uh, Another great one from Frontline, Amazon Empire, The Rise and Reign of Jeff Bezos. Since Jeff Bezos may wind up being my boss at some point, uh, (laughs) I'm I'm not going to say anything bad about this. He could wind up being everybody's boss at some point. Um, in all seriousness, this is actually very, very interesting. It's, uh, it's unvarnished. It is warts and all, and, uh, it's going to be controversial. Again, this, like some of these others that we've talked about, is not the final word on this, but it, uh, it's two riveting hours of incredibly well-researched and documented stuff on Amazon and what Amazon means and how it has become, you know, an extra, an indispensable part of American life and even global life. So very interesting. Uh, a couple more from Nature. The Mighty Weasel and Wild Florida. Uh, the Mighty Weasel is obviously all about weasels. It's like the, the rabbit thing. It's, it's all about the, the different varieties of weasels and where they come from and what they do. And everyone hates them wherever they are because they're weasels. You know, weasels are weaselly. Uh, the best thing about this is narrated by Anna Gasteyer, who I haven't seen in ages. And it's nice to hear her voice. Um, so all about weasels and what they do and why we need them, even if we don't like them. Uh, and then, uh, wild Florida is just a whole lot of fun, beautiful photography, looking at, you know, the Florida Everglades and the, the reefs and the swamps and all the creatures that live in and around Florida. Florida has an amazing ecosystem, uh, just because of its, its, its location. It is the southernmost state in the United States. It reaches further South than any other state. It has all the, you know, Everglades have, there's nothing like them anywhere in North America. And uh, it's just beautiful. It's all really, really fantastic. Alligators and, uh, you know, every other kind of fantastic, extraordinary creature on land or on water. It's really great, really well photographed. Um, Blood sugar rising, America's hidden diabetes epidemic. We were just talking about diabetes. This will get you killed by COVID faster than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, diabetes is what really, really puts you at risk. Uh, the, the we're going to find out that people who are diabetic are, uh, are die from exposure to COVID uh, way faster than anyone else. Type one, right, type absolutely, two. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, yeah. diabetes is endemic in the black communities yeah. here specifically, not only, but it's one of the things that. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Tim, Tim, why is that? Is that a is that a diet thing? Is it a is it a, uh, a genetic Part of it is thing? Diet, but of course, uh, diabetes is also a genetic disease. People forget that it's a genetic disease as well as a disease that can be brought on because of diet. So you can you can develop diabetes genetically, right. and then of course, if you uh, control your diet, you can actually. Um, 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 uh, so the, the diabetes. Uh, and then, of course, uh, eating alone can bring on diabetes. And in the black right. community, you have both of these things happening. Uh, uh, terrible diets, which trigger diabetes, particularly on, uh, but like juvenile diabetes is almost always genetic. Yeah. Type 2 diabetes is almost always genetic. Yep. Uh, I mean, yeah, because, I, you know, I, I know some people who are, who are diabetic and they are not overweight. No, you know, I mean, we always we always kind of have that in our heads. It's like, well, if you get if you get too heavy, you know, you're risking diabetes. But, you know, like some friends of ours, they, they I mean, their their daughter was diagnosed with diabetes when she was like 13. 
Oh yeah, uh, it, it, that's uh, that's that's a genetic marker for diabetes. Yeah. And, um, uh, she didn't do it to herself. It was going to happen anyway. Uh, and and then you have to figure because all at the end of the day, all diabetes is about is uh, is insulin regulation. Your pancreas yeah. is just not regulate, reg, regulating your insulin output correctly, and you're either going hypoglycemic or so. Yeah, that's what diabetes is. Yeah. Well, all of that is is in this, um, and it's it's really good because we you know when things stick around a long time. You you tend to start 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 taking them for granted. Uh, mm. Diabetes, cancer, a lot of these things we just we've just assumed are they're part of life, and yeah, we probably should be corrected. But you know, not, which isn't true. You know, no, no. So what's nice is, I mean, this asks the question: Why isn't there a war on diabetes? And it gets into lifestyle and and all kinds of other factors. It is it is you know uh, it is really interesting. Blood sugar rising, America's hidden diabetes epidemic. Um, some Nova shows here let me pull them out three really really cool nova shows and then one that is not a nova but it probably should have been uh the one that should have been nova is h2o the molecule that made us which is all about water and i always think about the uh the star trek episode the naked time mm. where uh the uh, the disease that just takes all the water out of the out of your body and it just leaves like a, an empty uh starfleet suit starfleet yeah. uniform with little crystals where yeah. where hands and feet used to be uh but yeah, I remember. I remember when I first saw that as a kid, and, and McCoy says, "You know, where our bodies are ninety percent water." Wow, really? That's fascinating. <laughs> so Star yes, Star there Star you go. Doing science. I, I learned a lot. This is uh, nearly three hours long, and uh, it is utterly fascinating. Uh, it is. It is the role of water, not just in us biologically, but historically and culturally, and. You know, water is what makes the world go around, whether whether we uh, want to admit it or not. Fascinating. Produced by WGBH. Should have been an episode of Nova. Not sure all why it water, wasn't. People, people don't know this. All of the water, all of the H2O yep. that has ever been on Earth or in Earth's atmosphere yep. is there now. Yep. Uh, we, don't, we, we do not create more water. Uh, and, uh, and when water goes away from a place, it just goes someplace else. So you, 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 no water ever leaves Earth's atmosphere. Correct. So all the water that there ever has been is how much water there is. You can't make any more. Um, uh, so how we use it actually matters because people don't realize that it's literally a finite, a finite thing. Water doesn't, it, it's, it doesn't create itself. <laughs> it, 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 no, it's, it, it's, right it's, it's right there. Lots of it, as much as we need. For the time being, at least. Uh, from Nova, Cat and Dog Tales, which is, uh, you know, it's it's fluffy. It's two hours of basically cute cats and cute dogs and uh, and fun stories about them. And then occasionally virgin science, but otherwise you're pretty much watching this just because they got a lot of cute pets on it. Um, there's also an episode of Nova called Polar Extremes, where you go along with this paleontologist through all of the uh, the, the, the 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 geo the geologic and the geographical extremes that uh, the poles facilitate on the planet, and of course you get into uh, Arctic and Antarctic warming and and all of the stuff that related to climate change and all of that is is enfolded in, in, in this geologic history. Very very interesting. Doesn't really come to a conclusion uh, about where we're going in the future, but it is quite informative, and it will give you a lot of big words that you can lace into your conversations with people. <laughs> the last Nova is called Mysteries of Sleep. Tim, Tim and I have a, have, have a common malady, which is that we don't really like going to sleep because we feel yeah. we'll be missing out on something that's happening on the other side of the globe. 
Yeah, sleep uh, is for suckers. <laughs> and 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 that I don't know if anybody remembers when there was that terrorist siege of a uh, uh, of a school in Russia years ago. Uh, but I was elated at the fact that I had television on at about two thirty in the morning when that broke, and I remember this great feeling of pride that I had, thinking. I'll bet I'm the only person in North America that knows it's just this happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I was like, I'll bet I'm the first person all over this. And I wasn't thinking uh, that I'm watching a news station where there are probably a couple thousand people working at the news station who are, of course, in on it as well. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, of ordinary folk, it was you and me, baby. Here's the thing. Sleep is important, whether you want to admit it or not. I do try now, yeah. now that I have a daughter who is uh, uh, has an exhausting amount of energy, you, you want to kind of time your sleep because, for example, I was up late last night. I was doing a lot of writing and other things. I was up till about 2.30. I was watching movies for film week, which is what you do on film week. You you know, you're, you're crunching things. And, uh, and, and then this morning, I, I, I have a seven-year-old shaking me. Wake up, wake up, wake up. What is it? What is it? What is it? What's your favorite Pixar short? That's what I wake up to. That's what I wake up to now. Really? You you shook me out of my deep sleep? By the way, let me just say one more thing about sleep, Tim. This is the weirdest thing. Tell me if this has ever happened to you. I, I had a dream the other night. So help me. There was a joke in the dream. Somebody shared a joke with me, and I could not stop laughing. In my dream, I was laughing as hard as I've ever laughed. It's the funniest thing i have ever heard i couldn't stop laughing it was it was a euphoric level it was like lsd level laughter i was on another mental plane i was laughing so hard and i woke up and i thought about what i was laughing at and not only was it not funny it made no sense Uh, in my dream you know, i couldn't that, i couldn't handle that, it that, that is that that is probably a classic sort of psychological you know uh dream uh escape sort of sort of scenario um, um I, 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 you know what i've had i've had a fit like that of laughing but it was in the real world yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and I, I, was, I was watching this movie called the muse once albert brooks movie yeah with uh, sharon stone theater i think you were there uh, yeah, the muse. Oh, oh my gosh, the muse. The muse incident. Yes, the tennis. It, the tennis thing. The tennis. The tennis. I remember. Scene in the muse. We were, almost killed me. We were at the UA Egyptian Westwood in the balcony. I remember this, and we were sitting front row balcony, and that little tink, tink. Every time you'd hit it, it would the way, just the way Jeff Bridges would look at his racket. <laughs> yeah, because he kept hitting it right into the tape, yeah. right into the tape. As as Albert Brooks is talking, to and, him. and and it's and the seed is just this funny. And thing Albert Brooks see. never gets the, the ball, never makes it over the tape. And Al, at a certain point, Albert Brooks just says, "I'm going to go take a piss," and he leaves. <laughs> and I remember, I remember you were inconsolable. You were just you were in tears. You were laughing so hard. I just thought that was, was Albert Brooks. I just just I don't oh. know. anyway, that's just that was just fantastic. So uh, uh, la, 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 last few PBS here, real quickly, relieving stress with yoga with Peggy Cappy. Uh, there's a, there's a ton of these. Uh, if you're cooped up in your house, definitely check this out. It's great. It's got all kinds of, I mean, look, she's older now. She's been doing this for years. This is exactly what you need to relieve stress. We've also got uh, a couple of Ken Burns docs, not top tier Ken Burns, but they're, they're, they're decent. Um, uh, Ken, they're both Ken Burns presents. They're not Ken Burns directed. They're just things that he puts his name on. 
uh, East Lake Meadows, a story of a public housing project um, in Atlanta uh, that was originally uh, created in 1970, and uh, the very, very uh, sad story of that, which is is quite tragic. It's a very it's a it's a significant story about what not to do in public housing, but also about what public housing can do if done right. Um, and then also The Gene, an intimate history based on the book by Siddhartha Mukherjee. This is four hours. Oh. And it gets into, I know, it gets all into all of that CRISPR stuff, right? Gene splicing oh, gene and manipulating. Splicing, yeah. yeah, it's all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's very interesting, but very intense. You want to really pay attention to this. is not something to just put on in the background. Uh, for kids, there's the Wild Kratts Around the World Adventures. This is just more, you know, if you like the Wild Kratts, it's, it's fun. It's educational. Um, I, I, my daughter's not really into it, so it's kind of sidelined. Um, and then from the dramatic end of PBS, there's some really interesting stuff. Um, Masterpiece has, now has Beecham House, which is, you know, it's not, uh, it, it, it's not exactly Downton Abbey. It's, uh, it's, it's very much, you know, the, the, the Raj, the British Raj stuff. It was, uh, created by Gurinder Chada. We love Gurinder, who of course did Ben like Beckham. Uh, I've met Gurinder on a few occasions because we have friends in common. She's delightful. I think this is a really, really sharp show. It has a lot of uh, a lot of fun stuff on it. Again, it's not Downton Abbey. It's it's British Raj, but it's probably more accessible than something like The Jewel in the Crown, which is very you know opulent. This is this is a more balanced take. Gurinder un understands the you know she sits between the two cultures in a way that very very few people do. And uh, I think I think it's uh, I think it's it, it it hits a beat perfectly. Uh, season one of the series Baptiste with Jackie Cario, Tom Hollander, and Jessica Rain is really really good mystery stuff. Good solid British mystery stuff. Um, you know, again, doesn't transcend it necessarily. It's uh, it's not strictly in England. It takes place in Amsterdam, and uh, the investigator is French, Julian Baptiste, played by Jackie Cario. And then, uh, lastly, I think this is wonderful. The Windermere Children. The true story of the Windermere Children. Uh, this also includes the original documentary that this is basically based on. And uh, it's absolutely an extraordinary story. It takes place in August of 1945 when uh, the, uh, the survivors of Holocaust victims... Um, basically have to rehabilitate their lives and uh, there's a psychologist whose job is to basically facilitate that. It's a wonderful story. It doesn't go where you think it's going to go. It's just absolutely beautiful and it includes the Windermere children in their own words. It's wonderful. I highly recommend it. It's a great, great time. Uh, two and a half hours flies by. Mm. Tim, what else we got? I figured I would jump over to some of the new stuff because I've yes. seen a whole lot of these movies. Yeah. Uh, so I figured I'd bump into some of that, including Scoob. Um, which is the first, believe it or not, full-length theatrical animated Scooby-Doo yeah. uh, adventure. There were those you know, live-action things with Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince and all that kind of stuff. I don't know, whatever, in the early 2000s, late 90s. But this was, believe it or not, the first, the first thing, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's, on, four, interesting. it's on 4K. It's on 4K. Yeah, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. It's on 4K. Uh, you'll have to tell me what it looks like. Yeah, it's fantastically gorgeous. I can't uh, say the movie but, is, but, yeah. Well, the movie's the movie. So, so anyway, this this is supposed to be the sort of origin the story of Scooby and and Shaggy yeah. how they meet when he's a puppy and all this kind of stuff. Now, look, I, I've always had a problem with anthropomorphication. <laughs> I know. Uh, I just said I, it's been my entire. But look, if you are gonna if you are gonna do a talking dog, just let the dog talk for Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Why is he? What's this sort of mumbled mouth 
crap that Scooby Doo is doing. In any case, uh, it, it, the thing about this little little movie is that they don't do any of the things that ordinarily happen in a Scooby Doo story because they're really busy, uh, you know, engaging in this whole sort of origin story thing. So it's, it's not that much fun. And, the, and then there's a ghost and all this kind of stuff, except that it's actually a ghost. And in the Scooby Doo stories, it was never actually a ghost. It was like some dude in a ghost suit pretending to be a ghost. It was Mr. Johnson down at the bank. Who yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so, uh, it, it, there, there's too much fan service for the. Uh, they're trying to create a universe of Hanna Barbera characters, and they're trying to weave a, a little bit too much into this. It's it's a little bit. Uh, there, there are other Hanna Barbera characters that find their way in, and it's a little bit annoying. But yeah, anyway. hell, a hell of a lot of voice talent: Will Forte, Mark Wahlberg, yeah. Jason, Gina Rodriguez, Zac Efron, Amanda Seyfried, uh, just one Ken Jeong, Tracy Morgan. Uh, so they really brought out the heavy hitters in terms of that voice talent. But you know. Yeah, that, that that story was not anything on there. I suppose they probably got some interviews. Oh yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, basically, you're getting it for the 4K, if if anything. But uh, otherwise, it's got bloopers and some deleted scenes and and a, and a little instructional video on how to draw Scooby Doo, as if that will ever come in handy for your child. <laughs> what are you gonna do? I don't know. Um, uh, a movie that I reviewed on film we called Burden, a kind of interesting uh, quasi true story uh, from this from Andrew Heckler. Uh, who directed and wrote the story, Andrew Reisberg, Garrett Hedlund, Forrest Whitaker in this movie, set in the middle 90s. The movie is basically about this young man uh, who grew up in the heart of the Ku Klux Klan uh, down south. Uh, Tom Wilkinson being this hardcore Klansman, uh, yeah, grand wizard guy. And he sort of takes this guy, played by Garrett Hedlund, under his, under his wing and raises him up to actually uh, be the owner, be the uh, the patron of this Ku Klux Klan museum that this guy has set up in this small back town. This is Reverend, played by Forrest Whitaker, uh, you know, who obviously is pushing back against all of this. And, and he starts talking to Garrett Hutland. And eventually he brings Garrett Hutland in under his wing. The irony is, because Garrett is the actual owner, has the, the, the deed to that Ku Klux Klan museum, he gives it to the good reverend. Ah. So the good black reverend over there becomes the sole proprietor of the Ku Klux Klan Museum. Obviously, a lot of people are kind of pissy about that. So it's one of these stories. You kind of see it all coming. Look, um, I, I, I suppose uh, these movies are, have a certain sort of value, particularly in the context of things that are going on in society today. But it is a little weird to me that, that, that uh, Hollywood somehow bends over backwards to tell these particular kinds of stories uh, th this movie should be about Forrest Whitaker, about yeah, the Reverend, <laughs> but it's not. It's it's about the Ku Klux Klan guy. How, how's how's Usher? How's Usher in it? Uh, yeah, Usher, Usher's actually pretty good in it. Straight dramatic role. Yeah, uh, uh, that he's playing uh, the, the, the the this guy who sort of in, uh, can sort of see this guy for what he thinks he might be uh, as he's involved with the, the Reverend's good daughter there. So you know, not bad. And and again, not a bad movie. It's just that if you're going to make this movie, choosing for exactly who the movie should be about, yeah. you, you chose the wrong guy to make the movie about. Uh, anything mm. decent on that? A DVD featurette stuff? and nothing else. Yeah, that's yeah, it. good enough. It's yeah. Like, maybe explain it all a little bit, I suppose. Um, Stray Dolls was a movie that I had a chance to review on Film Week as well. Um, you know what? This movie was kind of okay. I cannot pronounce the director's name. She's a young uh, in, uh, Indian director, uh, Shajul... Sinha, I think is her name. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna risk that one, but yeah, it's in there someplace. Olivia De Jong, Cynthia Nixon yeah. in the movie. Basically, the movie's about 
this, this young Indian woman is brought to the United States uh, uh, illegally. She goes to work in this motel where she meets Cynthia Nixon, who's, who's playing this real sort of Russian mob type chick, you know, uh, really doing the accent and everything. And what this really is, of course, is one of those situations of where she's basically being brought into, into a sort of slavery situation. Uh, uh, we're going to take care of you. You're going to work in the hotel. You're going to do what we tell you to do, including some things you may or may not want to do, but you're going to be paying off your debt. And if you don't do it, then we're going to do something bad to your people back in back in India. Um, uh, and, you know, she, she, she has this roommate who's this, like, sassy chick who uh, knows all the moves and all the right stuff, and they decide to rob Cynthia Nixon's son, the son uh -oh. drug dealer. And, you know, exactly. Uh-oh. So, so, so you end up with this sort of uh, quasi-Thelma and Louise-ish sort of movie. Uh, where they're on the run and they're dealing with all these bad guys and they're getting tougher and smarter and more willing to pull that trigger as the movie goes along. As a thriller, it sort of works. I I, I rather like that I don't, you know, I mean, I know who Olivia Zhang is and Cynthia Nixon, but most of these actors, uh, uh, particularly this, the, the young woman from India, I did not know, and they were really, really good, and I kind of bought into the, the storyline a little bit there. So Stray Dolls, rather enjoyed that. Anything Anything useful? Uh, not really. There's like bonus trailers and uh, nothing else. It's it's, yeah. it's pretty thin. Uh, I want to make a quick shout out for the 4K Ultra HD release of Mortal Kombat Legends: Scorpion's Revenge. Now, the mythology of Mortal Kombat, I am not well versed in. This is animated. It is part of. Uh, they're trying to obviously do a little uh, Warner animation twist to the Mortal Kombat world, like they did to the DC world. They're trying to create mm. a new animated universe, the Mortal Kombat animated universe. Nothing in this makes sense. I got confused about 10 minutes in. People are, like, turning into other people on their different realms. And it's very, like, the mythology makes some anime look easy. This is just really dense, and I, I, I kind of completely lost it. So just tried to focus on the animation and the fighting, which is formidable. The writing, totally confusing, makes no sense. I can't, I can't wrap myself around, so I can't imagine any kids would. But you know what? Some really great 4K work here. I mean, the color and the shading and uh, and everything. And you know, for an animated movie, they 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 elevated it. So the the, the animation and especially in 4K looks great. Mm. This movie. Tell me, tell me, tell me if you think this movie um, at, at at some point. I don't know in the last decade. We'll we'll call it a decade. Would have been a theatrical releasable movie because it just seems to me. So this is a movie. The movie's called uh, Endings Beginnings, 2019 film. Right now, this yep. movie is Shailene Woodley, Jamie Dornan, Sebastian Stan. Uh, you go down a little bit forward, you're going to get Wendy Malick, you're going to get Kara Sedgwick. Uh, this this it's a great X cast. Number of years is a is a straight up theatrically releasable movie. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, so I, you know, and not that it's like some some great film or anything. Basically, it's about Shailene. She falls in love with these two boys and is trying to figure out which one she wants to be with. Um, uh, but you know, as as a theme, certainly in the in the, in the uh, middle nineties to early two thousands, would a cast like that that would have been a theatrically releasable movie, which uh, I don't know, kind of blows me away. Yep. Uh, that, that you know, such a movie now, maybe not, maybe not so much. Um, Proximity, interesting little sci-fi movie. Uh, yeah, yeah, this young NASA guy uh, uh, gets abducted by, played by Ryan Mason, gets abducted by aliens, uh, but nobody believes him. Uh, so he sets out to try to find proof and prove that he was abducted by aliens. The question is, maybe he wasn't abducted by aliens. Maybe he's just crazy. <laughs> but then again, maybe he was abducted by aliens. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. It goes back and forth like that. That's kind of a fun premise, sci-fi sort of movie. Um, uh, anything decent on that? Uh, I, it's got some an audio commentary with Eric DeMusi, who's the um, uh, writer-director. 
mm-hmm. and then uh, some you know outtakes and a featurette. I actually, I got to say, I sh- was shocked at how much I kind of enjoyed the cheesiness of this because it's it's low budget, but it is a throwback to the old alien abduction stuff mm-hmm. from the '50s, '60s, a little bit. And uh, kind of done with a little a little bit of 80s cheese. And I, you know, I thought they actually kind of pulled it off. I thought there was a, for, with very little money, I really kind of enjoyed this. I got to be honest. So there's yeah. nobody in it, but I, I thought it was fun. Yeah. Ryan Mason has an interesting look, too. I always like actors with uh, uh, so like an interesting look. Yeah. Uh, then we have Resistance. This is an interesting uh, sort of sort of idea. This is a Jesse Eisenberg film, right? Jesse yep. Eisenberg. Yep. Ed Harris is in this movie, right? Uh, uh, so, you know, again. Ed Harris a, plays George Patton, we should say. Ed Harris plays, plays George S. Patton. He's playing Pat. Uh, uh, Jesse Eisenberg is playing Marcel Marceau. Now, you got to be of a certain age to even know who Marcel Marceau is. Just in, in, in contemporary terms, he, yeah. was this, he was this wonderful uh, mind who all through, I would say, probably the late 50s, certainly through my youth yeah. uh, in the 70s. I don't know, I don't know if, if, if he made it into the 80s, but certainly through my list, Marcel Marceau, he was the quintessential mind. Uh, showed up on uh, I Love Lucy, showed up on yep. The Girl Burnett Show, you name it, there was Marcel Marceau. Here's the thing about Marcel Marceau. Uh, as a young uh, man, young boy, really, during World War II, he was a war hero, saved hundreds and hundreds of Jewish children. And, of course, he himself survived the war. Yeah. Uh, Marcel Marceau. Now, I, watching Marcel Marceau all through my youth, Wade, yep. how the hell did I not know that? I know. It, Marcel Marceau is a legendary figure in the French Resistance. Jewish. A lot of people don't even know Marcel Marceau was Jewish. I didn't know he was Jewish. Yeah. And um, uh, it, quite an extraordinary story in, in so many regards. And uh, the only thing that I have a little bit of trouble with with the movie is that uh, Jesse Eisenberg is way too old to be playing Marcel Marceau. He's in his 30s. Marceau was like 15 or 16 when all this took place. So you, you have to understand he was a kid. He was a teenage kid. And I don't know that Marcel Marceau ever actually met Klaus Barbie, much less kind of went mano a mano with him in like a battle of wits, like a like a superhero and a supervillain. That said, there's a lot of uh, dramatic license that they take, but uh, yeah, I think I think uh, I think there's some some great stuff in here. Yeah, Jesse Eisenberg casting is plainly casting for you. Know, yeah, uh, trying to get this. Yeah, but the, the story itself is just the story of Marcel Marcel. Like I said, you got to be fifty to even know who the hell. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Polis directed this movie with Emil Hirsch and Mel Gibson and David Zayas again. Again, a, a Mel Gibson film uh, with Emil Hirsch. You know, a couple, mm-hmm. couple of Kate Bosworth. And all these people were, you know, A-list-ish yeah. sort of actors. actors you know, Force of Nature, this film, 2020 film, directed by Michael Polish. Michael Polish, of course. I think we f- probably first came to know Michael Polish. Uh, uh, twin, what was it? Twin Falls, Idaho? Twin Falls, Idaho, the Polish brothers. Yep. Yeah, he and, he and his yep. brother. Uh, uh, he's he's going on to become something of a uh, – uh, uh, he's an actor in that movie as well. Yeah. Uh, he and his brother directed that movie. He's going on to become something like more of a director than 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 than, than an actor. So anyway, this is this is just a gang uh, of thieves. Movies, these guys they they plan this heist. It's in the middle of a hurricane, um, uh, and uh, you know a cop comes in, and it's one of those movies. You know, um, um, uh, so I don't know. I, 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 Here, here's here's so so here here's what here's a way that I, I whittle this down. We got another one of these two. It's called Survive the Night with Bruce Willis and yeah. uh, and Chad Michael Murray. So. Both of these, Force of Nature 
and uh, Survive the Night are Grindstone movies. Grindstone is, of course, a company that makes basically only two kinds of movies. We talked about it on this podcast. They either take old action stars like Bruce Willis and Mel, and Mel Gibson, and they stick them in these big or, or Antonio Banderas. They stick them mm. in these in these like in basically just gun movies. There's all kinds of guns and action and explosions and you know the kind of stuff that Bruckheimer and Simpson used to do. They either do that or they make family films with talking animals. <laughs> that's that's so that's all Grindstone does. They don't do anything else. So mm-hmm. here's how this happens: Force of Nature. Somebody says to Grindstone, "Hey, we got a house in Puerto Rico. We can shoot at for two weeks. Do you have a story you can shoot there?" They're like, "Yeah, yeah, sure, we do." And somebody writes a script really fast and says, "Who can we? Ma- we need. We need an old action star. Who can it be? Oh, uh, well, Bruce Willis is shooting. Survive the night for us, so he's out." Who else is there? How about Mel Gibson? Call his agent. Mel Gibson gets signed up to basically play the Bruce Willis role in Force of Nature, which is about again, like uh, you know, there's a forget what the MacGuffin is. It's a it's a it's a heist and a siege, and yeah. and they're they, you know it's people running around an apartment building trying to get away from the the armed killers who want this thing and the thing that they want and they're shooting and then there's different apartments and it's you know they just it's just a lot of gunplay and suspense in an apartment building during a hurricane. Yeah. And then Survive the Night, by the way, is kind of the same thing. It's a home invasion uh, thriller, uh, home invasion gone wrong, and um, you stick Chad Michael Murray in it, and you stick Bruce Willis in it, and you, I guess you got yourself a grindstone movie. Um, anyway, it's basically kind of the same thing, you know, trying yeah. to try, good people trying to, to flip the tables on, on the bad guys and in an isolated location. Yay, gr- yay grindstone. And, and look, it's a, it's a, it's, it's not like that. It's not like that hasn't gone on in Hollywood since forever. Oh, forever. Uh, 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 back in the '90s when I first got here, uh, these would, would have been those PM Entertainment. Yeah, films, yeah. With, wing, with wings, houses. That's it. <laughs> there it is. Kind of stuff and, and Peter Majora would knock off two or three. Uh, 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 I was going to put a real quick uh, shout out for Torpedo U two thirty five. Not the greatest uh, submarine movie of all time, but you know what? I like submarine movies. It's a World War II submarine movie um, about a bunch of resistance fighters who uh, have to uh, basically deliver a U-boat that's filled with uranium. Oh, it's, yeah. it's it's a little bit far-fetched if you know the actual history of all of these things. But uh, you know what? It's uh, they're, they're basically, Look, they're trying to bring a U-boat filled with uranium across the Atlantic. It's preposterous, but you know what? It's not terrible considering what they're working with. Um, it's uh, it's okay. It's okay. Um, so you know, give you might want to give that a look. It's uh, it's an interesting thing to look at now that you have Greyhound with Tom Cruise or Tom yeah. Cruise, Tom Hanks on uh, on Hanks, on yeah. uh, Apple Plus, um, which is of course based on the actual Greyhound event of you know. A, a convoy that was attacked by U-boats at a certain point during World War II. Uh, so, you know, there's an interesting little contrast uh, between the two. So give, give it a look. It's a, it's, it's foreign made. This is a, a Dutch movie. But um, as far as, you know, little World War II naval action things go, if you're watching Greyhound, chase it up with the Torpedo U-235. Ah, sounds like a good combo there. Yeah. Uh, St. Francis was a movie I, that I also saw for the show. Sort of an interesting little movie uh, so about this oh, 30-something young woman who finds herself knocked up by a younger man. She's, she's, she wants to be a writer, but she really hasn't done anything to actually become a writer. She's sort of just cynical. And, ah. and, uh, and, uh, and she's a, she, she gets a job as a nanny, and she's a terrible, terrible nanny. 
but she does strike up something of a relationship with a little six-year-old uh, who she's in charge of, who's just one of those sort of precocious, uh, way brighter than any six-year-old actually ever is, obstinate little kids who uh, has pearls of wisdom for this uh, much older than her anyway, a young woman about how she needs to get her life together. So it's just one of those sort of movies. It's all made up and kind of goofy. Nobody's particularly in it. Uh, Kelly O'Sullivan plays the, the, the lead in it. It is, nevertheless, uh, because of her charm and wry wit, kind of a funny, funny little movie about absolutely nothing. Anything decent on that? On that uh, Absolute, on that? Absolutely uh, nothing of great value. There's a, an audio commentary by uh, Alex Thompson, the, the director and, and then the screenwriter star Kelly O'Sullivan, their cinematographer. That's about the, the extent of it. Extended scenes, deleted scenes, blooper reel, not that interesting. Mm. Uh, four kids and it. The it would be a little uh, sort of I don't know, um, uh, alien or uh -huh. a little monster anyway. Yep. And uh, Tim, Tim, Tim. You know who made this? Who? Grindstone. <laughs> the, 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 so the yeah. opposite. Yeah. Like I said, <laughs> talking animal movies. It's talking a, animal movies. So there you go. Uh, this one can grant wishes to these kids. Yeah. And you know, uh, you, you look. Matthew Good is in this film. Uh -huh. Adam is in this film. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, again, the, Michael Caine is in this film. Uh, yeah, voice, his voice is. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, so it's just a sort of interesting sort of, you know, stacking up the sort of, uh, noted, uh, talent to make these little family movies. And I guess everybody gets paid and, uh, and, and there you go. There it is. I, it's just unbelievable. Grindstone. I don't know what the philosophy is. It's just, if you got a job at Grindstone, I would love for you to send us an email to godsdigigods.com or godsatsinigods.com and tell us, just say what goes on. Does like, is there a development exec that says, okay, here's a stack of scripts, anything that goes in the action pile Put over here. Anything in the talking animal pile? Put it over here. If it doesn't go in one of those two, throw it out. We don't We're do it. it. We're not, not doing it. We're not doing it. Not even gonna read it. There it is. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's about all. Everything I've got over here. All right. Uh, for new business. I got a couple. Got a couple more here that I just want to add to the uh, to the to the mix. Um, I got a couple little uh, kind of low budgety jobs called debt collectors and bull. Um, both of these are Sam Goldwyn titles, Debt Collectors, and I got another Sammy Goldwyn title here, which, which is a foreign one. But um, Debt Collectors is is a is a pretty decent, like uh, low budget crime thriller um, that centers on people who don't normally get treated in movies, which are debt collectors who, uh, who who kind of get in get on the wrong side of this uh, this organized crime figure. It's not absolutely terrible. It's got, uh, it, it, you know, what it's got, it's got pretty decent action and some decent uh, decent acting. And uh, Louis Mandalore, who's kind of aged into some interesting parts, does a better job here than I've seen him do in a long time. I like the I like an older Louis Mandalore. Uh, yeah. Bull is a really really interesting film. So uh, this is all about uh, in Texas. This whole circuit where um, yeah, I remember I saw this with the show. Right, it's the, really interesting. It's yeah. the it's the it's the it's that whole um, kind of urban bullfighting. Well, not even urban, really. It's kind of like a like a suburban bullfight or not bullfighting. Um, uh, bull riding. Uh, bull riding. Thank you. It's a it's yeah. a it's a it's a bull riding thing that that kind of you know you think that it has these things happen in only Wyoming or out in the middle of nowhere in, in just rural America, but they don't. You know you can you can be a rodeo rider and a bull rider and you can be breaking broncos and doing all of that and still live in the city and work in the city and and it, when you get into places like Texas where there's this urban suburban interface that's a little bit fuzzy. 
it's very, very easy for that to take place. So uh, this is all about, uh, you know, how how that happens. There's, there's this teenager whose whose mom has been has gone to prison, and um, it's uh, it, it's it's you know getting involved in the rodeo circuit and um, and how that sort of is is you know an outlet for troubled youths and whatnot. It's um it's got a lot a lot of good stuff in it. Check it out. It's called Bull, and um, I'm not a big rodeo fan, but there's some really, really good photography in this of that. And uh, then the last one I'm going to make mention here is Attraction 2, Invasion. I never saw an Attraction 1. I didn't even know there was an Attraction 1. But apparently, there was. And uh, it was all about an alien spacecraft and a crash and, and whatnot. And now we've got uh, the sequel to it. And um, there's more fighting of the aliens. And it just doesn't make any sense and people have powers and I don't really understand it. It feels a little X-Men-y, but it's decently done. The special effects are, are impressive and uh, you know, the the alien world that it creates, these are all uh, high-end special effects people who, who did this. So they obviously are using everything at their disposal to really give you uh, a lot of visual sizzle. Um, so don't expect the screenplay to make a whole lot of sense. It definitely doesn't. But these guys have a lot of special effects firepower at their disposal, and they they really uh, they give it to you. They really lay into it. Uh, so let's see. Why don't we in the in the few minutes that we have left, Tim? Let me. Um, I want to touch on some music, and then maybe we can get to some classic movies and, and stuff. Um, uh, top of the list on the music stuff because we talked some weeks ago about the Michael Hutchins uh, documentary. And uh, which is so so good and so so tragic, his traumatic brain injury and how that yeah. contributed to his to his suicide. Um, now you can add one of the all time great NXS concerts to that. This is NXS Live Baby Live at Wembley Stadium. This was recorded in 1991, and uh, there were seventy, nearly seventy four thousand people there. Uh, in July, and it, it it's just an epic concert. And I know right now with COVID lockdown, it's hard to kind of you know imagine there was such a world once upon a time mm-hmm. where you could put seventy four thousand people in a stadium to enjoy a concert. But uh, wow, is this impressive! It is you're 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 reminded of what a great performer he was, what a great singer he was, and what a great band in excess was. Uh, yeah. Really, really sharp. All of their 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 hits are here. It's really, really impressive, and um, it's a great watch. And they remastered this in uh, for Dolby Atmos audio. It just kicks it. If you have a great system, this will just be off the hook. It's on Blu-ray. Really, really good. In excess, live baby, live at Wembley Stadium. And uh, then a few from the classical uh, people over at Naxos um, uh, on the opera end of things. Mozart's Die Zauberflota. Uh, from uh, Glyndebourne, the Glyndebourne Chorus and the Orchestra of the Age of Enlightenment is is quite lovely and uh, nicely staged. Um, we also have Arthur Pita directing and choreographing The Mother, which is uh, with the music uh, of uh, Frank Moon and Dave Price. This is a a uh, basically a a um, a dance production. I don't want to call it a ballet. It's like a modern dance production. It's very interesting. Not exactly my kind of thing, but uh, if you're familiar with the with the talent involved, it will certainly be uh, engaging to you. Uh, there is also from the Munich Philharmonic Mahler's Symphony Number no. Two, directed by Gustavo Dudamel, who we know very well here in LA. 
Uh, really wonderful. Mahler's uh, Resurrection Symphony is is a powerhouse. A lot of people hate it. I have friends who perform in orchestras who can't stand performing it. But you know what? Too bad. It is. <laughs> it is what it is. It's your job. Don't like it? Do it. Perform it anyway. Uh, Thomas Larcher's Das Jagdwehr, The Hunting Gun, based on the novel by Yasushi Inoue. Um, this is a really interesting staging. I mean, you're talking about, you know, basically East-West, a Japanese novelist and a, a Western production. Um, very nicely put together. Uh, not necessarily my, uh, my speed, uh, but uh, it's got songs sung in German and English and Korean and Japanese. It's a real kind of interesting global production. Speaking of Korean... Uh, the Extraordinary Yo-Yo Ma and the Bach Project Cello Suites by Johann Sebastian Bach from the Odeon of Herodotus Atticus in Athens. Beautifully, beautifully photographed right out there in all this classic Athenian uh, ruins. Yo-Yo Ma just going through the cello suites of uh, Bach. It's really beautiful to listen to and to look at. This was made, done just a year ago in June of 2019 uh, live in Athens. It's absolutely gorgeous. All of that is on Blu-ray. The last two here are only on DVD. Beethoven's Ninth Symphony for the World. Um, this is a documentary all about Beethoven's Ninth, and uh, it, it goes all over the world to sort of tell you the story of uh, how it has been performed and why people care and how it, it, it just resonates in every culture around the world, uh, from Asia to Africa to South America to North America and Europe. It, the, the world loves this symphony, and this goes to great, uh, great lengths to, to try to figure out why that is. And then lastly uh, is uh, Stravinsky's The Rake's Progress, uh, conducted by Barbara Hannigan and the, uh, for the Gothenburg Symphony Orchestra. This is a uh, documentary, uh, uh, more than a, a performance. It is about the it's about how the, the Rake's Progress was put together. Uh, how Barbara Hannigan tackled her debut as an opera conductor, and uh, it, it takes you all the way through the, the creative process in a really, really almost excruciating way. It's exhausting. Uh, it will make you never want to go into classic, classical music for a career because it just requires so much work and rehearsal and trial and error. It is just a, a, an absolutely hellacious process, but the payoff is wonderful. So, if you make the cut, it sure is. All right, let's see. Why don't we, uh, in the little time that we got, we got about 15 minutes left, um, talk about some classic movies, I guess. Should we hit these criterions? Sure, let's do that. Let's do the criterions. Um, so, the first one here is uh, Come and See, the extraordinary uh, Ellen Klimov war film or anti war film from 1985. Uh, this is basically a Russian film, but it's in Belarusian, Russian, and German. And uh, it's two and a half hours of, of just some of the best filmmaking you will ever see. Klimov didn't really make any other films that rose to this level. It was extremely restricted by the Soviet censors at the time. Um, it took him seven years to even get the script approved. And it is just an absolutely indelible film. has a ton of extras on it. It is on Blu-ray, of course. All the Criterions are on Blu-ray. What an amazing film this is. And then it also has um, uh, Flaming Memory, which is a documentary series by Victor Dashuk, which has all kinds of first-hand accounts of, uh, uh, from World War II of what happened in Belarus in, in, the, in, the, in what is depicted in this film. Really great. Come and See by Ellen Klimov, one of the great all-time war films. 
you've got to own it. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tim, War of the Worlds. Let's talk for a second about War of the Worlds. Which War of the Worlds are here? The original 1953 War of the Worlds. Ah, Gene Barry. Yeah. Uh, the, this is, this is uh, I, you know, I, I have not seen this since I was a kid. Oh, I've seen it many, many, many times. Uh, it's re- it's actually my, you know, other than the Orson Welles radio yeah. program, it's my favorite incarnation of the War of the Worlds, including that Spielberg thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, you know, which the, I don't even know why they call that War of the Worlds. This would be my favorite one. The, the thing that I love most about this is the way it's sort of all laid out. But ultimately, when the Martians arrive, yeah. those big sort of, um, I don't know if that was Technicolor or or, or, or what, but that, that thing with, with the color, the red, blue, green with the eyes yeah. was just absolutely extraordinary. And Ribbing. I really love, what I really love is Gene Barry's uh, voice narration. So over, good, right? Over the arc, arc of that movie. It's just all fantastic. Yeah, War, War of the Worlds, um, it holds up shockingly well. I mean, I remember thinking it was a little cheesy at the time, but somehow it's sort of... Um, it's aged well, and I'm glad to see there's a Criterion Blu-ray of it. This thing's loaded with extras. Uh, tons and tons of stuff on the special effects and the sound effects. Uh, it, it, you know, there's a, there's a, um, an interview with George Powell, the producer from 1970. There's a 2005 documentary about the making of the film. It's really, really wonderful. Um, I, I, I can't recommend this highly enough. It's, it's just, it, the film, you know, was kitschy in its time, maybe a little bit, but George Powell was just one of the best. One of the best. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about Marriage Story? Um, well, and, and, and we're talking about the, yeah, uh, the yeah. Adam Driver. I'm sorry I didn't like that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know you didn't. You you went on the radio and you were quite courageous in, in uh, taking it down. And I applauded you for that. Um, I kind of still feel like this is Noah Baumbach doing his version of Kramer versus Kramer and, and, uh, and kind of missing the whole point of it that it's about mm. the, that that Kramer versus Kramer is not about the two of them it's about the kid yeah i i i in this movie about these two whiny <laughs> there's just and they're theater people they're theater people yeah. it just makes it all so much worse they're new york theater whiny new york theater people yeah. i know that's got a lot of acclaim and i understand that there's a whole you know, it's his experience, and it was all about his divorce. And, and well, every I, movie he's ever made, I'm just from the squid and the whale, yeah. kicking and screaming. Yeah, every movie he's ever made has just been some little episode from his actual life. And, and 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 the irritating thing is, yes, he really has. Is you wouldn't know it from the dialogue, but there's so little actual introspection. I know. On the part of no, it, it, it sounds like he's introspective, but he's not. Not yeah. remote. No. Uh, which is why you have all these whiny people uh, living in these worlds, these rarefied worlds where even a divorce uh, becomes this sort of wacky yeah. uh, sitcom kind of thing. So, anyway, not, well, not, not, a big, not a big fan. Lots of extras on here, too. We're not fans, but it, it is, it is you know, it just did go straight straight to Criterion. So you've got to applaud them for that. Um, the Lady Eve by Preston oh. Sturges has been on Criterion before. It is on Blu-ray now from Criterion. Has all the same great extras and more. It is just absolutely wonderful. Preston Sturges can do no wrong. One of the all-time greats. This is a delightful film. Uh, Henry Fonda and Barbara Stanwyck at their level best. It is one of the great all-time screwball comedies. There's just no reason to, to even mince words. 94 minutes blows by. You wonder why any movie would ever need to be longer than 94 minutes. It's just absolutely perfect. Yeah. And uh, I particularly love this conversation that they have with um, Preston Sturges' biographer and uh, his well, his son and biographer, Tom Sturges, along with uh, Peter Bogdanovich, James L. Brooks, and Ron Shelton. 
And uh, it also includes Kenneth Turan and Leonard Malton, our good colleagues, mm-hmm. who are a part of it. By the way, if my speech is a little slurred, I should be honest. I should have taken them out. I'm doing Invisalign as long as I'm quarantined. So I've got, you know. I did those, tra- I did those for about two or three years, about ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, they worked? Yeah. But they did make me sound ridiculous on yeah. uh, television. I, so, yeah. I, I need, I, so I do need to uh, remove these when I do shows in the future. Uh, but in any case, uh, you know, as long as I'm cooped up in my house, I might as well get my teeth straight. <laughs> Fair, why not, you know? Uh, but anyway, uh, The Lady Eve, just absolutely beautiful. And then the last criterion is Taste of Cherry by the late oh, Abbas Kiarostami. Abbas, oh, Abbas Kiarostami, who I think we lost a couple of years ago. We did. It was about a year and a half ago, I think it was. Huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. a year before last. But such a beautiful film, one of the seminal films of the uh, the, the Iranian New Wave uh, from 1997. And uh, it, it, this comes from a, a 4K digital restoration. And it has a uh, uh, kind of the original sketch film in it that he made with his son, along with uh, interviews. And uh, it just it's absolutely beautiful. Um, One of the one of the you know, that moment when Iranian films were all poetic and commenting on things that they shouldn't have been commenting on. And the censors, of course, didn't necessarily realize it. Um, This deals with suicide and all kinds of other taboo subjects that find their way into the film, you know, um, just because he was the artist that he was. It's it's beautiful. It's a wonderful film. Beautifully shot. Great, yeah. great. He managed, he, I mean, he managed to do good work for 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 you know nearly twenty years. Like I said, we lost him a couple of years ago. But he did a certified copy, uh, like someone in love. I mean, just, these these later period films of his. Yeah. Continued. He just really, really never. Anyway, yeah, man, uh, fantastic work. Um, uh, we also have the, from the F.W. Murnau collection, Kino has released five films from the F.W. Murnau collection. Again, these are not all Murnau films. They are simply from the Murnau collection, from the, the, uh, the, the, the German society, the Murnau society that basically, uh, cares for and restores these films. They include, uh, Murnau's own Tartuffe with Emil Jannings which is one of his uh, legendary great films, has a terrific commentary by film historian Troy Howarth on it. And uh, this, is the, uh, this has both the restored German release with the Robert Israel score, as well as the U.S. release with the music by Giuseppe Becke. So um, they're, they're substantially different. There's a six-minute difference between the two, but they're also different cuts. So uh, you get both of them on this, for those who might have been concerned otherwise. You get Lenny Riefenstahl in The Great Leap. This is not a Lenny Riefenstahl-directed film. This is Lenny Riefenstahl doing her mountain-climbing, mountaineering yeah. stuff, right? She was, she was quite the actress, particularly the, quite the adventure actress. She would, And she did all her own stunts. She, she did. from Jumping from uh, ice floats and all she, that kind of stuff. She was yeah. kind of an action star, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. intrepid. Quite yeah, intrepid, I mean, it's really quite fascinating. Uh, so, uh, a remarkable piece of film history here. Uh, directed by Arnold Fank, F-A-N-C-K. This was made in 1927. Um, you know, you may have feelings about Lenny that don't allow you to sort of uh, see her in a movie, but you should because it's film history. No, but, yeah, she's, you know, look, she's no, she's no D.W. Griffith. Jodie Foster was going to play her once. She was, yeah. yeah I'm sorry, ago, I'm sorry she didn't. I think she yeah. chickened out. Took a lot of heat, yeah. Yeah. Um, we also have uh, G.W. Pabst's movie, The Love of Jeanne Ney, which is another one of the great German expressionist films of the period. 
This was also made in 1927, same year as uh, The Great Leap with Lenny Riefenstahl. Um, this has a commentary by Eddie von Mueller and the uh, the dual release thing, the German release version with a different score from the U.S. release version with a different score as well. Um, the Lives of Jean, Jean Ney is is really one of the great epics of the period. It is uh, it's a it's just a superb movie. It's not an epic length, but it is sort of an epic scale to this thing. Uh, all of it sort of looking at, at Weimar cinema in a in a in a much more critical way that a lot of films of the period wouldn't do. Uh, Der Golem or the Golem mm-hmm. is the kind of the original uh, ex- expressionist monster movie. Uh, this was made in 1920. And this is a tinted version, the color tinted version, restored beautifully, creepy as can be. The tint just makes it absolutely haunting. Uh, if you don't know the story of the golem, it's a you know it's sort of an ancient Jewish Frankenstein story, yeah. uh, and it it really is uh, it, it's haunting. It'll just get under your skin, and I'm surprised that they haven't really uh, um, that they haven't done another version of this in more recent years. And then lastly. The original, very famous, Reinhold Schunzel-directed musical, Victor and Victoria, from the, uh. U- from the UFA Studios in 1933. This is a sound film, which, of course, inspired Victor Victoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, what, a, what, a, what a terrific, wild, and, and woolly movie this is. One of the last Weimar cinema films before uh, the Nazis put an end to this kind of filmmaking. So it really is kind of a transitional movie. It's really extraordinary. Uh, was not substantially seen uh, in the United States till years later, and then um, it inspired the 1982 film from Blake Edwards. So this has an audio commentary from film historian Galen Studlar, and it is absolutely terrific. You definitely want to listen to that entire audio commentary. It's great. Uh, Tim, anything else here that uh, floats your fancy that uh, we haven't gotten to? I think that we touched on just about everything within that uh, within that realm. Uh, uh, I, I did see over on the docs though that you had tea with dames. Yeah. Oh, let's do tea. Let, yeah, let's cover a couple of those docs. Tea I with dames. You, tea, yeah. Tea with dames. Roger Michelle. Uh, it's, it's a documentary. The dames are uh, Dame Judy Dench, Eileen Atkins, Joan Plyrout, and make and make Maggie Smith. And what I love about this movie, they, and it's literally, they, 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 I, I think they go to Joan's house. I think they all show up at Joan's house. Yeah. Joan is the oldest, the eldest of, of, of the group, and the other ones are a little bit more mobile. So they, they show up there, and they have tea outside, inside, and they talk. They just chat. And they do and this all the time. They've done this for years. For, for year, What I love most about the film, how utterly and completely foul mouth everyone is <laughs> Oh my God! They're so blue. It's just ridiculous and and cutting. Yeah. And and uh, and they talk about their their marriages. Uh, they talk about the, the the affairs they had, the affairs that their husbands had. Not be all of it. They really just have nothing to uh, to hold back or to hide anymore. And frankly, I don't think that you would have gotten that sort of frankness, that sort of directness out of the equivalent in of British cinema men. Uh, the, no. You, you, you wouldn't get it. They'd all no. be boasting and braggarts. Yeah, uh, the men. You know, if you if you if we could think about that, but not these women. They're all no, self-deprecating. They're great. I love listening to Joan Plowright and Eileen Atkins too talk about how not pretty they were. Yeah, and 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 and, and how, frankly, it was good. There's footage in this documentary of of Joan Plowright when she's 14 years old, playing like a fairy in a in, in some sort of a pantomime. Yeah, uh, from the 1920s or something like that. I I just found it absolutely wonderful. 
Yeah, I did too. I think it's absolutely delightful. It's uh, Roger Michelle directed it, and he basically just sat. I don't even know what there was to direct. I mean, I guess cutting in all of the archival footage. But Roger Michelle basically sat down with four absolutely terrific actresses and uh, and just said, "Talk about your lives. Just go for it." And yeah. you know, uh, Joan Plowright is losing her hearing, so she's she's not in great shape here. That's why they're at her place. But um, Eileen Atkins, Judy Dench, Maggie Smith, Joan Plowright. Four of the great dames, and they are all dames, literally. They are dames. Yep. Yep. Um, I want to make a quick uh, mention of uh, this really, really great doc here, too. Um, uh, Anne Frank Remembered is um, was the 1995 Best Documentary Feature winner. This is uh, finally out on Blu-ray from Sony Pictures Classics. And uh, I don't know why it took so long, but it's absolutely delightful. It very, very deserving Academy Award winner, uh, narrated by Kenneth Branagh and Glenn Close. And uh, it, it, it does a wonderful job of contextualizing the story, taking more than just the diary, but taking photographs and um, dramatic readings of pages from the diary and more archival material that sort of gives you a fuller picture, a better picture. And a, it doesn't have to be like the movie, you know, Hollywood dramatized. It really, really does. This is as close as you're going to get to a complete portrait of who Anne Frank was with all the available archival material. It's just an absolutely beautiful film. Finally on Blu-ray again, uh, Anne Frank remembered the Academy Award-winning documentary from 1995. Wow. Really good, and let's see. And we still got a couple of minutes left, so let me. Uh... I saw this. Uh, I, I saw on the list uh, this film called Target Philadelphia. Oh uh, yes, one of the docs, which is a very, very interesting period—a period in history that I remember very uh, specifically. 1985, Philadelphia. There was this movement called Move. Uh, it's basically a sort of black, uh, um, um, back to nature. Uh, a group of people who lived in this house in Philadelphia. They, they, they were all named Africa. It was fairly cultish. You know, not exactly a Manson family sort of situation, but there were, because there were lots of children involved, all yeah. these Afros, the whole well, thing. And, there, there, was and a, there was a lot of that at the time. It was just usually, oh, yeah. it was just usually white. That's what yeah, made it, this unique. It, it, was, it, was, it was a, yeah. It, it was black and it was in the inner city. Uh, and uh, you, you push come to uh, make a long story short, uh, when the police moved in on them for a number of different reasons and, and, and they wouldn't come out, the mayor at the time, I believe it was Mayor Wilson Good, authorized a dropping of what was effectively a bomb on that house. It was meant to be a smoke bomb that yeah. came out with smoke, but it nevertheless caught the house on fire and killed five of the, of, of the members of the move. Uh, now, if you want to trace back, because lately we've been talking about the militarization of the police forces, right? Uh, um, um, uh, when, when, when all of the police force started to look like a SWAT team yeah. rather than just the SWAT team looking like a SWAT team. It's kind of it around began, this period. Oh, yeah. yeah. It began here in 1985 with this. That's where that began. But, Tim, uh, that, that, that bomb, that incendiary bomb they dropped on the building – didn't yeah. it didn't just burn down the building it burned down like three square blocks oh yeah 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 the whole white i mean it, it wiped out an entire neighborhood it, it, it got a, out of control it was a perfectly insane sort of undertaking yeah. and, and, and it's, it's funny a lot of people do not remember this not remember this at all um uh but yeah uh, so uh, an interesting an interesting doc about a, a particular period in time that i think sheds light on some of the things that are sort of going on today with respect to the police uh in various different communities very, very true. Um, Try to think if uh, there's, you know, uh, uh, the last thing I want to go out on here. Let's go out on something a little bit more, more, uh, a little bit kind of positive for the pandemic. Um, right. 1990 Academy Award-winning screenplay. Uh, the movie is Ghost. 
And, oh my God! And, I get the junket for Ghost. Uh, oh, what a memory that must be, huh? Oh, Demi Moore was so beautiful; it was insane. She still had that little haircut. Yeah. Uh, uh, and uh, and uh, and Whoopi, uh, and of course Patrick was still with us, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was just it was just fantastic, and I remember Bridget and I going to see that movie, and and we just fell in love with this movie that had just the right amount of melancholy. Yeah. And and humor. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's just, it was just a beautifully done movie. And some of Demi Moore's and Patrick's too, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Some of their best work on screen. Uh, yeah. That movie. Just really, really wonderful they were. Well, Bruce Joel Rubin wrote it. That's when he was, uh, he, he won an Oscar for it. And he was very much in a, in a mode with all of these kinds of ghosty stories. He wrote Jacob's Ladder. He wrote yeah. uh, Ghost, obviously. He, he wrote, um, Falling Down. It was Falling Down. No, 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 no. That's, uh, no, that's Eddie Rose Smith. This is Bruce Joel Rubin. My Bruce Joel Rubin. Um, you know, he, he was writing a lot of stuff that was about, uh, you know, the, the world beyond, the supernatural and, and the and parting of the veil and all that kind of stuff. So that he was. Eventually, wrote my life I think he my life that too, yeah he did with, uh, he did michael, michael keaton, keaton and all that. yeah yeah so so uh anyway there's a, there's a wonderful commentary on here with jerry zucker who directed it and bruce joel rubin uh and uh, a filmmaker focus featurette on jerry zucker as well who of course came out of the zucker abrams zucker uh spoof movies like airplane and uh a Kentucky Fried movie and, and really manifest himself as a really terrific mainstream filmmaker with Ghost. Um, this is part of the new Paramount Presents series, comes with a slipcover, and uh, it's, it is a beautifully transferred Blu-ray from 1990. I can't believe it's been 30 years, but what a, uh, what a lovely movie this is. It's still, it's still one of the all-time classics. Uh, for a certain generation, they just will never forget this. Um, it's been remastered on 4K. It is only on Blu-ray, but it's nice to know that it's been remastered on 4K because now you can stream it on 4K and release it as a 4K Blu-ray when the time comes. So, mm. Ghost. I have forgotten that Bruce wrote Deep Impact. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce yeah. And, and Stuart Little, too. What yeah. a time travels, which is an adaptation of a book, Time Travels Life. What a wildly varied... Um, Career, uh, yeah, career, career. Yeah. He has had. I think they're redoing, remaking Jacob's Ladder, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I heard that, and then I heard nothing about it afterwards. So, yeah, yeah who knows? Yeah. Well, all right, yeah, great movie, great movie. I may have to watch that tonight. Oh, it's 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 delightful. It's just delightful. It's nice. It's a nice little nostalgic blast from the past. So I'm going to get back to my uh, my film week cramming. I've got a lot still to watch, uh, including the movie Animal Crackers, which, oh, yes. by the way, was produced by uh, our good friends um, George and Marcus. So that comes out on that drops on Netflix this Friday. My wife and, also and Christy and Christy. Yeah, my wife, right. my wife had a hand in delivering it to Netflix as well. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, with that, we will. Uh, I think we'll try to do another show in uh, in about a week and a half or so. And uh, till then. Stay safe. Wear your mask when you go out and, um, you know, be considerate of your neighbors. And let's see if we can all get through this thing sooner rather than later. Yeah. 